Hi, everyone. I'm Barbara Beck, host of Welcome Home on Good Life 45. And you're listening to my good friends, Fritz, Mike, and Tina, right here on God Stories Radio, bringing hope, comfort, and encouragement to the world through the power of the Christian testimony. Keep listening for a big blessing from the Lord. You're listening to the God Stories Radio Podcast with Mike, Fritz, and Tina. Listen to us live on the Mixler app. Also, be sure to follow us on iHeartRadio and you will never miss an episode. Stories Radio. This is session 214. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. What's going on, guys? It's Thursday night. We're all here. Yes, we are. Loving it. Since you're loving it, how's your week? Same old stuff. Ah, come on now. Living the dream. Oh, yeah? Yeah. (laughs) No. uh, In weight mode. No intricate life lessons or anything? No, last week was enough. (laughs) It was enough. Okay. All right, Mikey. It was definitely enough. All right. How about you, babe? What's going on over there? It's been a good week. You know, we've been doing lots of fun things at work this week, which has been nice. And, uh, of course, everybody is excited to uh, go check out Star Wars. You've been checking out Star Wars uh, quite a bit. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been so much fun. I bet. Fantastic. Hey, we got any shout outs over there tonight? We do. All right. Well, we want to thank last week's guest, Miss Patricia Williams, for liking us on Facebook. Miss Pat, welcome to the GSR family. Thank you very much. And we also want to thank Megan Smith from FUMC. Oh, Megan Smith. Thank you. Welcome to the GSR family. Yes, we do. (laughs) I love Megan. And then um, also from FUMC, we want to thank Natalie Zook for liking us on Facebook. Thank you for liking us. Yeah. And Dariana Bran- Brennan. Dariana Brennan. Brennanen? Brennan, it looks like. Brennanen. Brennanen? I think it's Brennanen. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Could be. That's awesome. Either way. We're going to stick with uh-huh. the first one because that was cool. <laughs> Just cool. And then the daughter of last week's guest, uh, Michelle Williams. Thank you for liking Thank us. Thank you all Thank for you, liking Michelle. us. Thank you, Michelle. Welcome Facebook. to the GSR family. We had no uh, silent mode there. Nope. No awkward moment. No awkward moment. Yeah. Which, phew, thanks for giving us some shout outs there. We really appreciate Uh, it. If they came to the studio and they watched, they would would understand (laughs) the awkward moment. Yeah, really. 
No, we're just glad that um, GSR is being spread um, around the world. Amen to that. And, and uh, to that end, I want to welcome country number 102. Hang on. Reunion. Reunion. Yep, the Islands of Reunion. The Islands of Reunion. Yes, and it is. where is that? It's in the Indian Ocean off the coast of Africa next to Mag- Madagascar. It's wow. near it's near the Seychelles Islands wow. where my dad used to live. So the Lord's cool. blowing up Africa. I guess. Wow. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. This 100, is 102 countries. Who the funk? Oh, I know. And I was listening to uh what was it session 203 when our guest and another guest was on and and uh I think you had mentioned we were stuck at 90 or stuck at 90 something. 90 something, yeah. Yeah. And then I thought about that today, and I didn't even know we had the new one. Mm-hmm. So I'm going, man, it is cool to just sit back and watch the Lord blow things up because and, and we you had know. A, right. We had a couple weeks off a couple weeks ago, and we came in with, what, three, four new countries? Well, just remember we that? tried to take three months off, and the and the listenership grew. Mm-hmm. Explain that one. It's you know, Jesus. most podcasts die, you know, and you mm-hmm. don't, you know. Yeah, it's only Jesus. All Jesus. That's uh, it's neat when you can step back from the whole thing and go, you know, it really isn't anything I did. Absolutely not. <laughs> Thank goodness all, we just mess it up. All credit right. in the glory. Oh, I've <laughs> I've proven did, that be, that concept is it, true many times. You know, if we did, it would have been long gone. You bet. All right, we're ready for the guest. I think we're ready. I think we have not only a guest, but we've also got an in-studio guest too. Yeah, we do. That's very cool. So who we got today this week, babe? We have the myth, the man, the legend, <laughs> Pastor Mac Macanano in the house. Thank you guys. Yeah, appreciate being here. I'm excited. Man, we've been excited about it, uh, you know, and you just alluded to a little bit of your story last time when you are here with Pastor Chris. Yeah. And I just couldn't wait to get you back in to <laughs> have you expound on a few things. And uh, who you got with you? Uh, we've got one of our students. Uh, I'm the director of student minist- of the student ministries at First United Methodist Church of Claremont. Uh, and one of our all-star uh, senior leaders, his name is Ryan Schreiner. And he's just uh, joining us as a guest today uh, to check it out. And maybe he'll be giving his testimony sometime soon. As that well. would be awesome. Yeah. Welcome, Ryan. Ryan Welcome. is amazing and uh, multifaceted, plays guitar, sings. Leads worship. Amazing, for the leads youth. worship. Yeah. That's wow. awesome. Yeah, just amazing. It really, really is. Got it work there. Yeah. Well, welcome, Mac. Uh, you really need no introduction, man. I just uh, I just love this guy. And ever since uh, I started the church, before I started at the church, it seemed like we we started to foster a relationship. And, uh, and I love it. I just uh, love to go to work every day. And this guy, yeah, like he said, he has a converted closet for an office. And <laughs> And I'm in the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> You're so, like that guy at the, in the office, yeah. the movie. Oh, office. Yeah, I'm, the, I'm also the only office with two doors, and one of the doors leads yeah. to Fritz's office, so every time I hear him stumble he in, He just I cracks open that door open, and one of us has got music going, so it's great. Oh, yeah. We just leave the doors open and, and rock out, you know, and <laughs> he'll stick his head out, hey, the album dropped. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then it's it's just, it's a, it's a great environment, and then uh, Steven has to walk you know, in between us. us. And that's (laughs) abuse waiting to happen right there. 
So, you know, one thing I am really curious about yeah. is your nickname. How'd you get your nickname? Yeah. So my actual name is Anthony McEnano, uh, and I'm the fourth. So uh, my great grandfather, my grandfather and my dad all share the same name. And none of us have middle names, which is a fun fact. Um, and as I was growing up as a kid, I had a couple friends who were named Anthony as well. But the main reason that Max stuck uh, was when I was playing Pop Warner football. Uh, the first week that you play, they put your your um, last name on your helmet. Mm -hmm. And coaches, you know, if you play Pop Warner, you learn that like coaches oh, yell yeah. a lot. And so they were always yelling at us, yelling at us, yelling at us. And the second day of practice, they got tired of yelling the whole name Macanano because they would say something along as of Mac, uh, uh, Mac, uh, and they try and yell and you can't. Right. So my head coach <laughs> came up to me at the end of practice and he just ripped my name at C uh, and he just left the sticker on it said MAC on the top so pop warner man yeah that's that's, awesome. a, that's a good memory for me i i uh, played wide receiver for the boca jets yeah we well, taller than every you. kid boca uh -huh. jets yeah <laughs> i did not know that about you i was a really tall a big target <laughs> so i played first base and wide receiver sometimes deep safety Nice. You know, if they needed somebody with some height. But anyway, it's not about me tonight. <laughs> so, Mac, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Uh, just love this guy so much. Thank you for taking time. I know you're busy and uh, for hanging out with us. And uh, just uh, take us back to the beginning. Absolutely. A little bit about yourself and uh, how Jesus found you and rock on. For what sure. What you're doing today. For sure. And one thing I just got to say, too, I value about Fritz, man, is he knows how to have fun at work. Uh, <laughs> it's always nice to walk into the office, and whenever you hear the words, uh, have you heard? And he's going to think of a new song to show me. That's That, that gets you pumped up. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of just looking at my story as a whole, um, I'm 24 years old. Um, and so as you look, as I was kind of just thinking and reflecting on my faith journey and everything, um, I know there's a lot more pieces to it, and I know that there's a lot more things that God has in store. Um, and so my hope and my prayer is that just through some of my story, you can see the ordinary, um, but you can also see the ways in which God's kind of foot fingerprint is just upon everything. Because mm. um, it used to, and I'll, I'll preface my story by saying I used to be um, really, really not proud of my story. I used to not think it was very cool because I thought there was just, you know, God just really blessed me with a lot of nice things. I didn't go through a crazy hardship. It's a very um, common thought. Yeah. And, we, and, we have a lot of people say that to us. Yeah. Right? And I remember stepping into ministry and thinking, I'm not fit because my yeah. testimony is not powerful. Right. Um, and it wasn't until I started realizing that your testimony is literally, it's, it's, it's not a, it's not one act. You know, it's not Amen. one, it's not one thing that happens. It's the entirety of your story and, and the person who wrote it's powerful. And so Ooh. that makes your story powerful. That'll so, preach right there. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I'll take you back to the very beginning. I was kind of raised in a house that didn't go to church too often. Um, we were raised Catholic, um, mainly because my grandparents had, had found their way into the Catholic church and cool enough, they had really kind of connected with the Catholic faith through my grandpa, uh, and my grandpa was a recovering alcoholic. And so he went to AA and, and through the AA program, he kind of got plugged in at a, at a Catholic church and, uh, he's very, very passionate about it. And that was kind of one of the, I, you know, I still kind of think back upon my foundations. And I remember sitting at the coffee table with my grandfather and just talking, um, and him embracing my curiosity about things. But for the most part, my family, uh, my immediate family, my, my mom, my dad, and my two sisters, really only went to church to 
to check uh, check it off the list for mm. our grandparents to check it off the list uh, to you know they wanted to make sure we made our first communion with the Catholic Church and after that it was kind of up to us um, what we wanted to do if we wanted to go through confirmation and I was a late bloomer too so they they didn't send me into conf- into communion until like fifth grade and everybody else that had already done their communion was in like second grade or third mm-hmm. grade and so I remember sitting in my classroom uh, and it's funny because one of my best friends today uh, we were recalling um, being in Catholic church. And when I told him that I went to St. Peter and Paul, which is a a church in central Florida, he goes, no way you were, you were the older kid that hadn't done his communion yet. And I, I I firmly remember because I knew nothing. I, I was so uneducated compared to these kids that had been going through CCD catechism classes forever. And so I just was sitting there and, and I knew that our father, and that was it. And they would have us lead the prayer in the morning sometimes. And, it, and the two prayers that you always had to remember was the Our Father and the Hail Mary. And, mm-hmm. and thank the Lord. I didn't know. I still don't know the Hail Mary. But to say it, all you had to do was say the first line and then the rest of the class would join in. So I would sit in front of the class. <laughs> I would sit in front so of the, Yeah, I would sit in front of the class and I would say really confidently, Hail Mary. Full of, of grace. Yeah, mother of grace, yeah. And then they would say the rest. But as long as I said Hail Mary and I acted like I knew the next stanza. No, that's not cheating, man. Went, that's <laughs> working smart. What exactly. are you talking about? Um, but Eli, he 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 read right through me. He's one of my best friends today, but he was like, Yeah, I knew you didn't know the whole prayer. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, so I made my first communion uh, in the church, and so did my little sister. And once we did that, we just kind of stopped going. Um, it wasn't a priority. It wasn't high up on the list. And I wasn't, I kind of disconnected from the church completely uh, for about two years. And then in seventh grade, I was invited by one of my neighbors to this place called the Epicenter. Um, and it was a brand new youth group in town. Uh, they had just built a 10,000 square foot facility just for the youth in this church. And they were doing these um, outreach party events every week. We're like, 500 kids would show up to this place and they had their own inflatables that they had already bought. They had uh, all these like funny kind of wars that they would do, you know, Nerf gun wars and they had all all this crazy stuff, but they also had this game room that was immaculate. It was, had a huge uh, uh, rock wall in it and everything. And I remember walking into this place and seeing a rock wall and seeing uh, dodgeball and seeing kids having a really, really fun time, not practicing the Hail Mary. And I was intrigued, you know, and I also remember uh, at the end of every single one of the sessions, they would do a little message and this, this guy by the name of Bobby Brooks got up and I just thought he was hilarious. I thought that I was watching a stand-up comedian every time that I was hearing a message and I started connecting fun and God in the same place. <coughs> Uh, and I think that that was so important. And, and I, you know, in the moment, I didn't know what I was doing. But then, like, looking back, I was seeing that learning about who Jesus Christ is can also have a fun aspect to it, can be something that is entertaining, can be something Absolutely. that grabs you. Uh, and it doesn't have to look um, like catechism. Not that anything's wrong with catechism, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to look um, and feel like just a class. Yeah. And so I remember just feeling really, really intrigued by that. And so I started just going regularly. And and if I didn't start going regularly because I fell in love with the person of Jesus Christ, I started going regularly because they had dodgeball and they had a rock wall and they had a funny speaker. And <laughs> Whatever my, it takes. Yeah. And my friends were there. Uh, but Jesus totally met me where I was at because as, uh, as I started growing deeper into it, they did this other thing on Wednesday nights called freestyle. So Sundays they had their big outreach events and they had, they invited everybody on Wednesdays. They just opened the doors up right after school. And I guess their vision behind it was we want to just give kids a place to go besides wherever else they're going to go and hang out. 
And so I remember uh, heading over there. I'd get out of school from middle school at like three o'clock on Wednesdays and I'd go there at three 30. I'd be there as soon as I could. We'd play basketball and they had no programming set up until six 30. So they literally just opened up the doors. You could play dodgeball. We would play dodgeball for like four hours. Wow. And, um, and I, I, I played dodgeball for like an hour, like a couple, um, weeks ago, just, I went back and visited and we played dodgeball and I was like, I don't know how I ever lasted four hours. It was just <laughs> in, in, incredible. But, um, but they opened the, they opened it up and just, I remember connecting so much there because what they would do is they would break us into middle school and high school guys and girls, and they would do a small group. And this group was so vulnerable for a group of middle school boys. Uh, I remember middle schoolers who are some of my really good friends just getting into this group and pouring their heart out, honestly, about what they're struggling with. Um, talking about all the temptations they were going through in, in high school, you know, and th these kids were much crazier than I was. So I was like, man, these kids are, and they're in it and, and they are loved by these leaders and they are poured into by these leaders. And, and I can still name, uh, my Bible study leaders today. It's, um, Manrique, we called him Manfrique. His name was David Manrique. <laughs> um, and then Phil Coleman, who's actually the youth pastor at Epic right now. And both of those guys were essential in my foundations of faith. They, they led this Bible study. They just poured into us. And looking back, it wasn't like they planned a ton. They just went in there and said, I want to be willing to, to open conversation with these middle schoolers who are probably going to drive them up a wall um, and just open that space up for us. And slowly but surely, I started... Um, how do I say built a reputation, I would say. Um, and I didn't know how real the reputation was until a couple of, uh, months later when I started hearing various leaders in the youth group start talking about me, um, in positive ways. And, and I, I, I really loved engaging in conversation, but the other thing I realized is I really liked attention, um, at that time in my life. And so mm -hmm. if I could say something intriguing, if I could, they used to joke, the kids would say, we're doing analogies with Anthony today, or we're doing metaphors with <laughs> Mac. And I knew quickly, right? Like analogies and metaphors are a church language. And if you can come up with an analogy or you can come up with a metaphor, people are going to find it intriguing. And so I would sit there the entire time and just say, what, what can I make an analogy? What can I make a metaphor? And the funny part is I didn't do it because I wanted people to know Jesus better. I did it because I wanted attention. Um, just, and, and there's this kind of theme of the way in which Jesus uses our, my selfishness, I think throughout my story, mm. uh, to eventually bring it to the very foundations of where I live in the most, um, and where I try and act at least as much as I can. Yeah, you can just use self, anything. Can yeah. You? Wow. As selfless as I can now, I try at least. Um, but, uh, and I didn't know how serious it was until, Anna Brooks, who is Bobby. Bobby is my mentor. He was a youth pastor at this time, and, and he's a pastor at Carillon. At, uh, as a, he leads um, two services at Carillon now as, as like an associate pastor, so to speak. But he, um, his wife ran into my mom at the grocery store. And she goes, you're not going to... Uh, my, my mom comes back to me, and Anna is one of the kindest people in the world, like just gentle, super, super, super awesome person. And she ran into my mom and my mom goes, you're not going to believe what uh, I heard today, Anthony. I said, what'd you hear? She goes, oh, I ran into Anna at uh, Publix and she was just raving about you, just complimenting you. And she said, she just, they just all think that you're going to go and be a pastor one day. And uh, <laughs> collectively, I collectively, this is in eighth grade at the time. 
I collectively started laughing with my mom at the dinner table. And I said, can you believe these guys? I got them all fooled, right? Uh, straight up, I said, I said, yeah, can you believe? Like, And she's like, yeah, like, where, where do they get that from? I'm like, yeah, where do they get that from? And uh, What are you, like 13 years old in eighth grade? At that grade? point, yeah. yeah. People yeah. prophesying. Just becoming, yeah, becoming a 13-year-old. Yeah, exactly. So I'm thinking these people are just crazy. Uh, what do they know? And uh, I don't think that ever really hit me until about six months later. We, I think I was, oh, I think I was a freshman at this point. But we used to go to the park after school every single day. And so before freestyle, before we would go on Wednesday nights, we would go to the park after school and we would just play basketball and we would hang out. We had like the coolest park in all of our neighborhoods. We had like the nicest basketball court, the nicest like equipment and everything. And so we were hanging out one day. And th this truthfully, when I look at like, what is the turning point of my entire story? It, I feel like it happened this day. And I just was one of my buddies was recording me uh, while we were playing basketball. And I was joking around with my friends and I was just doing everything that I normally do when I'm with my friends when I'm not within the church walls. And I flicked the camera off. Um, they were my buddies were just messing around and I, I flipped them the bird uh, and turned around and nailed a shot and then probably said something stupid into the camera. And I didn't have a Facebook at this time. I didn't have any social media. All my friends did. So I didn't even know what it looked like. And I got back to youth group that night. Oh. Um, <laughs> and we were all hanging out. We played basketball for like two and a half hours and we're washing up. Uh, and I'm like washing my face off. All the guys are in there just like, we're, we're all nasty. We're about to go into service and go worship. And, and we're just washing off. And Phil... Uh, Coleman, who led the, the Bible study I was telling you about, sitting on my right side, and Bobby Brooks, who's my mentor, sitting on my left, and we're all just washing up, and and uh, Bobby looks at me, and he goes, hey, man, we we saw your video uh, that was posted. He goes, he goes, you know, you, you like made a shot. It was it was cool. It was a cool video. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but cool. Like, where was it? He was like, oh, I was on Facebook. I was like, oh, I don't. I don't even have a Facebook, so I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and we're walking out, and Phil looks at me really sternly, and he goes, yeah, man. Someone posted that. And like, I was like, what posted what? What are you talking about? And I walked out of the bathroom door and I'm taking like three or four steps. I can remember this so vividly into the worship center. And I stopped and like time stood still for a second. Because what I realized in that moment was that there are these people that see absolute greatness in me. And they just saw the true reality of who I was. Ooh. And it hit me. Like wow, a ton of bricks. And I, I still reference it today as the, the Isaiah moment in my life, right? Because I can, I proceeded to walk into service. Uh, and I don't know if Bobby had already planned this uh, or if he completely changed the message because I'm convinced that he just wanted to single me out that whole night. <laughs> uh, but he decided to <laughs> preach on masks. Um, and I vividly, like I said, still remember this line from the sermon. And it was so... Uh, Oh my gosh, it was such a dagger to the heart, truthfully. And he said in the room, he said, you know, we have way too many people who are going to try and be a different person outside of this building than they are inside of it. Mm. And he said, if you are a person in this room, if you're someone who, who is not willing uh, to be the same person that you are in Christ in this church and be the same person outside of it, if you're, if you're putting a mask on and you're being a completely different person to the outside world, then we don't need you. Ouch. Whoa. Yeah. Mm. He said, he said, he said, because that's hurtful to the church mm. and we don't need another person hurting the church. And I just started weeping in the middle of wow. service. 
um, weeping uncontrollably. We got into into um, worship and they were singing how he loves us and and I was like I said just weeping in the corner, just not I was not able to contain myself. I couldn't control myself. The Isaiah moment was so true because what you find is in Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah six. He says um, he says I'm ruined. Right. Mm -hmm. He walks mm -hmm. into the, the yeah. temple, the throne room of God, and, and he sees these seraphim flying around. He sees Jesus, uh, sees Jesus sitting at the throne. And and he's just so overwhelmed by the majesty of who God is that he mm -hmm. sees the corruption in himself. Mm -hmm. And when he sees the corruption in himself, it hurts. Um, but there's healing in that moment, too. Right. He says, God, I'm ruined. But the seraphim flies down and he touches the burning coal to his lips. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to symbolize two things. First off, it's supposed to symbolize um, the fact that it's going to take some pain in that realization. But there's also a cleansing aspect to it, too. And so I I was singing how he loves us and bawling my eyes out. And the line that still sticks out to me, and even when I listen to the song, it's almost one of the only lines I hear sometimes, is it says, I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way that he loves. And in that moment, I had so much regret. I had so much remorse. I had so much feeling of being ruined. Um, and I realized that my regret's not going to get me anywhere. And that today is the day that I don't have time to maintain regret. I don't have time to sit in regret. I don't have time to sit in my guilt, but I do have time to move forward and do whatever's next. And if that means breaking the mask off then that's breaking the mask off. And, uh, and I walked out and I'm, I'm walking through the doors to go home and Bobby looks at me and he says, are you okay, man? And I just broke down in front of him just completely broke down. I said, and I was crying. I was in You didn't break off that mask, brother. You, yeah. It was decimated. It was decimated. Right off yeah. your face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I looked at him, I said, Hey man, I, I am done. So I'm done being different out there. I'm done being a different witness to, to my friends. Than I am, I was a witness here and I'm, I, I, I'm done with that. And, uh, and I was thanking him, but also crying and also like remorseful at the same time. It was a weird moment, but it was so, so just genuine and real. And, and it was truly that I'm ruined and I'm done being ruined. Uh, I'm here for what God has in store and whatever he's got planned. And, and that's really the day that I started to take it seriously because I, like I had said, I had started building this little reputation, I guess you could say. And I, I was leading at that point in areas. I was a part of the leadership team. I was part of uh, the Bible studies and helping lead those and, and so to be in that position and have all this trust and respect in your in your kind of place and then feel like you went completely against that um, was a hard moment. But it was different because I had these group of people look at me and say, we don't see you differently. We just want the best. Like we're not we're not OK with seeing you right. not live into your fullest potential. And I think that some of society today loses that that aspect in friendship. I think that we have a hard time uh, looking at people and critiquing them and saying, look, it's not that I I am like so bummed about who you are as a person. It's that I see so much greatness in you. Mm. Um, and I saw the greatness that they saw in me at that moment. Right. And wow, I wanted okay. I wanted I, I didn't know my fullest potential. And they did. Right. These people knew my story better than I did. They, these people knew the Jesus who I wanted to follow better than I did. And so they were giving me glimpses into what they thought God had in store for me. And I couldn't see it. That's why I laughed with my mom. Mm -hmm. That's why yeah. I laughed at the, mm -hmm. at the this is your future um, is because these people and I think that's the case very often. I think sometimes you need somebody else to tell you uh, and interpret what God's trying to tell you in life. That's why community is so important. That's why Acts 242 Amen. is there. You know, um, I think that some people interpret. God speaking to you better than you can interpret God speaking to you. Um, not always, but I, th I think there's definitely times, and this was one for me, 
And so that became a, a life change for me in that, in that moment. And I started to just get really fully involved. And, and throughout high school, I was all in uh, on all the leadership stuff that they were doing. I, I started taking a lot more things seriously. I started uh, diving into worship music a lot more. I was always a, a big fan of music. I still am. I listen to literally everything. Um, but my playlist just started becoming more consumed uh, with worship music and with different artists that I could listen to and, and, and different things to just fill my ears with because I was listening to music so often um, that that often can even consume you. And so I just remember that being that really kind of big turning point for me. And going through high school, um, I was coming to the, coming to graduation time, uh, and I was still undecided on what I wanted to do with my future, right? I had heard, you know, and now, now I have tons of voices in my life too, because I have my uh, parents and I have my grandparents who are, are very supportive of me and everything that I want to do. But they also know that I'm the first Macanano to even go to a college ever, right? Wow. None of, you know, none of my grandparents went, none of my cousins that have already graduated high school are going to college. Um, so I'm literally the first Macanano to, to attend a university. And so I'm putting that pressure on myself. Um, I always knew that I was mathematically minded and I had kind of, uh, even though thought that engineering was for me, I had kind of said, I want to enjoy my job. That was one thing I, I was 100% certain about as a senior in high school. I said, I don't care what I do, but I want to enjoy my job. And so uh, I started looking at health sciences route in, in college and, and going into physical therapy and, and doing sports medicine because those were all things that were, I was very passionate about. And so as I stepped into that area, um, that was an area that I knew was a, was a buzzword for my parents. It was a buzzword for people. It was, it was something that was credible. Um, but we had all the people at the church who, like I said, knew me um, and saw other things in my, in my future and saw their plans for me. And like I said, I still don't think I saw it for myself at that moment, but they, they just kind of started pouring into me and saying, you know, we think that you've really got a future in ministry if you pursue it. And, and all of my mentors, all the people that were in the church had, they were human communication majors at UCF. And so I graduated, went to UCF and I declared as a double major my freshman year. Wow. (laughs) My double major was in health sciences and human communications. Um, and the real reason why that I double majored was all about pride, all about pride, because I enjoyed, once again, the attention that you got when you said you were a health sciences major. I enjoyed, I, I did truly enjoy the concept of, of going into physical therapy too, um, but it wasn't a calling. It was an amusement, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And yeah. and so I, I was totally, you know, dead set on saying to everybody, I'm double majoring uh, in health sciences and human communications, because if I just said human communications, they gave me the same answer every time. Is that as opposed to dog communications or <laughs> animal communications or alien communications? And, uh, and there was just no credibility. You heard over and over again, I heard that you get no money in that uh, major. I heard there's no jobs. Oh, my friend, they've been uh, graduated for two years with that major and they're still jobless. And, and I was sick of hearing that. Uh, I couldn't stand it. It was, it, you know, you meet new people at your first year at college. And the first thing you ask, what's your major? Mm. And I, I was so ashamed of saying community communications for a while because of my pride and because of my ego and because of my, you know, wants to kind of control my life in a sense. And so health sciences did all <laughs> that. You said that to someone, they said, oh, right on, man, that's cool. Uh, and I didn't have to think about it. And I think that it's so funny. I think I had to go through that experience because so much of where I'm at in ministry now today 
is still critiqued. Uh, so much of when you kind of say, what do you do for a living? And you say it, people are like, oh. Um, yeah. And it's, it doesn't have that buzz uh, yeah. factor. You know what I mean? It doesn't have that that kind of – for some people, it lights them up and it makes them excited. For other people, are like, oh, cool, man, whatever, awesome. Oh, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, and I think that God was preparing me in that moment for all that was going to come in the future, uh, all the cr- criticisms, all the questions, uh, all guarantee. the misunderstandings. All the little details. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. What I think is really cool is he took something that you thought was a, a con – and he made it like one of the oh, most yeah. best attributes about you because your communication skills are amazing. You know, I've heard you preach before and you have the gift not only with, you know, in, within the youth ministry, but you have it with adults, too. You know, it's it, there is no age barrier for you. Well, thank you. I and appreciate I think that's that. rare. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um and we, so what ended up happening is, uh, six months in to my double major, I was about to finish my first semester and I met back up with my mentor, Bobby Brooks. And like I said, every person on earth has given me the same reaction when I said I was a double major, uh, they were elated and thought that the human community, I mean, the, uh, health sciences part was cool. And they kind of questioned the human communications part. Bobby was completely different than everybody. Uh, and he always has been. He still is today. And that's why that's why I just value his opinion and, and, and I respect him so much. And, and if you uh, ever want to hear good sermons, go listen to him at, at Vest. He's on uh, UCUMC.net and he's a Vessel pastor. But he just he thinks differently than people. And so when he asked me, how's how's my semester going? I said I was double majoring. He said, double majoring. What are you doing double majoring, bro? And I said, well, you know, I want to keep my options open. Da, 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 da. And he, he looked at me. I mean, as serious as you can be. He said, dude, if you're not going into ministry, don't don't be a human communication major. He's like, drop it now, dude. He's like, there is no he's like, there is no sense in keeping that major if you're not going to go into ministry. He said, go go home and drop it now. <laughs> he challenged. And you. I went home <laughs> and I went home that night and I dropped my health science major. And I said, God, if this is what you want for me then I'm, I gotta be all in, right? I gotta, I gotta stop holding part of my, and I I have to put all the chips on the table. I don't, I don't need to keep a couple in my pocket just in case, because that's why I was a double major. It's because it was, there was busted out the reverse psychology on him. He He sure did. There was a security blanket. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Go home, dude. Go. Yeah. Drop it now. But the boldness that you demonstrated, I think is very impressive. Oh yeah. You know, it, it came to him that he needed to be completely in and just to go ahead and drop the sciences. I mean, that's a big deal. That is a very big deal. So good. Yeah. And that was the same time I started kind of telling my parents and telling my grandparents. And I was super afraid with how they were going to react. That was my next question. Did you take flack from the family? Not as much as I thought I would. Um, there was definitely confusion, right? And I actually have a really cool story I'll tell a little bit later about my dad because I didn't even find this out till a couple months ago. Um, but one of the big conversations I told you, my grandpa was so influential and I sat down with him and told him, um, and just to hear him say how proud he was, was, was huge. Cause you know, I, I was kind of explaining, I know this isn't the Catholic church, but this is just somewhere that, you know, Jesus really captured my heart. And, and he kind of just, he didn't say it exactly like this, but he just said that, you know, when I met Jesus, it was everything. Mm-hmm. And so if that's what's happened for you, like, I want that to be your mm-hmm. everything. And, and 
And that was a huge moment. And so I just continuously started taking pride uh, in the right areas. I started taking pride in, in being a human communications major. And I started realizing then, like, God's preparing me for something. When I was not able to answer those questions, I knew he was preparing me for something uh, and saying, hey, I I'm all in. And, and I'm telling you, my life has been a series. And this is why I didn't think my testimony was so cool. It's been a series. I always give the example of the old Cheerios commercials where they would lure the little kid into a room by putting like Cheerios <laughs> on the ground oh, yeah. or gumdrops on the ground. I said, God has literally, it's been that easy for me sometimes. Mm -hmm. And the way that he's communicated is that he's just putting the next step right in front of me. Mm -hmm. Now, the craziest thing is I'm still stupid enough to be like, oh, what's over here? Uh, even though there's like a clear path right in front of me. I was yeah, like, well, you're what's good, that awesome? You're in good company, bro. No. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter how obvious he made it. There's still there's still areas where I wanted to confuse myself uh, sure. just, just for the sake of you know uncertainty. I don't know. But um, around that time, I, like I said, so many opportunities popped up. I got a job at the church as a janitor that actually happened a little bit before. Um, I got hired on by a man named Joe Manuel, who I just went to California with. That was the funniest trip I've ever taken in my entire life. But Joe Manuel is an old Vietnam veteran. Uh, don't have to get too much into him, but he is, his story is more interesting for than Forrest Gump's in, in all seriousness. And what'd he uh, call in? Huh? Ah, oh, man. <laughs> if you just tricked him into telling him it's not, he's not on the radio, he might do it. But uh, <laughs> No, it's a podcast. Yeah, but um, so I got hired on with him, uh, and, and so I spent a ton of time at the church just being a janitor. I, I probably spent more time than some most of the pastors uh, my first couple of years, of my first year of being a janitor, because we didn't really have hour restrictions at that point. It was just, hey, come in, work till six and go home, and it, I loved it. Um, I got hired on to lead a Bible study for a new service that was starting, um, and that was my first kind of taste of being paid to do ministry, if that makes any sense. Not that I was getting paid really anything, but uh. And then a year after I was in college, my youth ministry hired me on and they took me alongside uh, some of my best friends that I went to the youth ministry with. And they started this thing called the, te they called the teaching team. And Bobby Brooks, who is my mentor, uh, started the teaching team. And he said, hey, you, we're going to do a rotation where all of you guys get to preach every month. Wow. And I started as a 19 year old getting to preach in the youth service uh, as many times, uh, you know, once a month almost. And my first time I preached, I actually got to preach to our uh, service, to our, our church service before I ever got For hired the first on time? at the wow. youth group. Yeah. And I can still tell you what my message is about. I called it the rice method uh, because I was still a double major. I Ooh. still was a health science major at this point. And rice is the process that you go through for healing injuries. And so what I wanted to talk about since it was a standalone message was how can we use the rice application uh, in ministry? And so rice stands for rest, ice, compression, and elevation. It's what you do if you twist an ankle, you rest it, you ice it, you can put a compression sleeve on it and you elevate it. And so I talked about how uh, we have to rest in God's word. Uh, we have to ice and compress things with community. So we kind of, you know, smother things with, with people. Um, and then we elevate things in prayer. And it was the worst sermon you've ever heard. Oh, man. <laughs> it was awful. In concept, it sounded like it was all mapped out. Um, Do you have that little stuttery voice? I yeah. Mean, were you nervous? Oh, uh, funnier than nervous. I was very nervous. Uh, but it was the most words I've ever written in a sermon in my entire life. Uh, I think it was like 3,600 words. My wow. average, my average sermons now are in between about 1,400 and 1,800 words. So about 30, 32 to 3,600 words. And I preached it. I can preach probably my 1,800 word sermon in about 30, 35 minutes. I preached it in 14 minutes. Whoa. Wow. Wow. That's cooking my gas. Uh, yeah. Because I wanted to get off the stage so uh -huh. bad. 
Um, and, and that's really how I felt the first couple of times on the teaching team too, is like, I just need to get through this. Yeah. Uh, like, God, I know you're going to use me, but I just need to get through this because <laughs> I am not, you know? Um, and so I went through that entire experience and loved every minute of being on the teaching team. Uh, still remember to this day, I told you the flick off story was so important to me. And my first sermon that I got to speak on, we were speaking about masks. Um, and I had already given a sermon that was like my favorite thing I ever got. The, it wasn't a sermon. It was like a small group teaching to a group of middle schoolers. And I told them about my story and I told them about masks. And my, my visual was that I want you to take the mask off tonight. I want you to step on it. And I want you to leave every bit except for one piece. I said, I want you to take one piece of the mask and put it in your pocket because this is why. If you have one piece of the mask, it'll never consume your face. You can never hide behind it. But you can always tell the power that you have over it. Right. Ooh. And that's what I that was like my go to when I was talking about masks. And so I didn't want to repeat this sermon, but it was like six months later and it was to a completely different crowd. And I spoke on masks and didn't talk about that story on my testimony at all. And Bobby Brooks walks into the office um, and he says, all right, I want you guys to all critique each other. If we're a teaching team, we're only going to get better if we critique each other. Um, and we critique each other for a half hour and we give some good feedback. And he's standing in the corner of the room and he says, all right. Uh, you guys did okay, but you're way too nice to each other. Um, and it's weird that I'm even sharing this out loud because I don't know if he thought this would ever leave the room. Uh, <laughs> but he said, you guys are being way too nice to each other. Um, and the only way we're going to get better, he goes, we all love each other. And we all know the, the, the strengths that we have. He goes, the only way we're going to get better is if we focus on the areas that we can improve upon. And he looked at me and he flicked me off. And he said, what does this mean to you, Mac? And the whole Ooh. room stood still. And I was confused. I was like, oh, it means, you know, that's not a good thing. And he says, no, no, no. What's it mean to you? And like I said, the earth stood still for a second. He goes, that has power because God's all over that part of your story. He goes, that is what needs to be shared when you have the opportunity. He said, because it's one thing to talk about application. It's one thing to talk about the faithfulness of God through a scripture. Mm -hmm. He's like, but when you share yourself with people, they hear it. And like I said, I, I'll never forget that moment. He walked out of the room and we had just the, the, the people in the room were like, oh, my gosh. They just they were falling out of their chairs. <laughs> they were like, what have, what have we got ourselves uh -huh. into? Yeah. Um, but we also knew in that moment that this is what a community looks like. We strengthen each other through seeing weakness and improving mm -hmm. upon it and holding each other accountable. Um, and that's, when I say the leadership of Bobby Brooks is so influential in my life, that's why. Because he just knows how to speak into the moment. Um, firmly. Uh, and he's and had boldly. your number right. since a little guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why God gives us all this, our own testimony to tell. And that's why it's in the, in the word too. Yeah. You need to tell your testimony. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, man. Um, so join the teaching team, uh, continue on in college as a communications major, finish it out strong. Um, decided my senior year, I was thinking about going to Asbury Theological Seminary afterwards, um, just cause you know, so many of my counterparts had done it. It was an opportunity in front of me. Our church was doing a little scholarship thing for it. And my second to last week of school, um, Bobby came up to me and he said, hey, there's a, a possible job opening in, um, in Claremont. I said, really? In Claremont? He goes, yeah, uh, I think you should just meet this guy. His name's Chris. Uh, he goes to school, school with me. He's in class with me. And I sat down with Chris Tabone uh, at Asbury Theological Seminary two weeks before I graduated from UCF and had a discussion with him. There was two job opportunities, actually. I had another job opportunity in Bradenton, Florida, um, which is they were doing a little family church plant. 
inside of a church though. Uh, and they needed a lead. And for some reason, I don't know why they thought a 22 year old graduate would be a good decision for that. But, uh, <laughs> they were like, Hey, we think we we've heard good things and, and we just want to get to know your heart. And I sat down with them and I interviewed for a day. Uh, I got to see the ministry for a day. I got to work alongside who would be working alongside me for a day. And I went into this thing. Oh, it's just good to get experience and get an interview under your belt. And I left saying, Oh my gosh, I might have to do this. And I was in Bradenton, Florida. I'm like, what the heck? And I was like, well, I need to go visit this Claremont church next week too. Let's see what happens there. And I sat down with Chris on that Tuesday and then he invited me to, to the church on that next Sunday. And we're sitting there and once again, I just kind of uh, felt so clearly as, as Chris was telling me what the youth group looked like, what the kind of vision behind it was. And I was like, this sounds, this sounds like something. Um, and continuously, uh, as I was talking with him, he, he was just kind of encouraging me, telling me how the story happened. I guess Patty, who is another person I was working with at Epic at the time, Patty Tui, she she runs a, a Methodist church now in um, Orlando as well. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, she's a, a, a local pastor. Um, her and Bobby were sitting down at a table with Chris, and Chris said, hey, we're about to put a job posting up for youth ministry, but before we do that, do you know anybody? And um, the story goes that Patty and Bobby looked at each other and they looked at Chris and they looked back at each other. And the words that Chris heard was, should we tell him? And uh, Patty and Bobby, I guess they, the truth of the matter is they didn't really want to say, Hey, we have this guy who's totally, we don't have a position for right now, but we wish we did if they were kind of saying, you know, and uh, so we don't really want you to take him, but we feel selfish for not telling you. And uh, we'd love to let him meet up with you. So I met up with Chris and, Went to Claremont, went to the baccalaureate service, met some of the kids, uh, just got to hang out and be in that environment and was driving towards to the interview. And I knew before I got to the interview that I was going to take the job. Wow. Uh, I never felt that very often. Uh, I sat in a car with Bobby Brooks again. He had I had to help him in someone in the congregation move. And we're sitting in a U-Haul and he goes, how are you feeling about everything, man? I know you got some big decisions. And I said, yeah, I just it's so hard because there's so like God's written all over all of this. And, and he's so good at simplifying some things and just stopping you from overthinking. He said, well, hey, man, I just want you to know you're going to say yes to something and you're going to say no to something. And whatever you say yes to, God's going to be in. Whatever you say no to, God's going to be in. So if that helps at all, uh, there's that. And I said, well, it doesn't help really at all. <laughs> but uh, cool. Thank you for... God uh, can handle it yeah. without me. So whatever <laughs> I do, you know. Yeah. So I, I put my suit on, which I had never, ever worn really. But I figured if I'm going to go get interviewed, I should look presentable. And I drove into Claremont, and as I was going over the first hill, as you enter into Claremont, if anybody's been into Claremont, you go over 50, and you see this kind of rolling hills, and you see an American flag at a Toyota dealership, and you can see, like, elevation. Um, and if you're in flat ground, it actually looks really cool for the first time, mm -hmm. and you're, you'll remember it. And as I overcame the hill, there's this song called In the Wild in My Home uh, that I had just heard for the first time. And the buildup of In the Wild in my home has a huge drop. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but it's, it goes. Dun, 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 dun. And it's very, very large. It's a very, very big buildup. And it was right as I was coming over the hill and I didn't know what the song was. So I looked on my phone and it said In the Wild in my home. And I knew in that moment, I, I even said it at my interview when they asked me, like, what, what compels me about being here? I told them, I said, look. God's been all over my life through music, been all over my life through many different avenues. Um, but one avenue for sure has been through through just music. And I listened to a song called In the Wild in my home, and I realized that I'm about to step into the wild. 
I'm about to step into something completely new, completely different, nothing that I've known before. Um, I'm leaving all of my friends. I lived in Oviedo my whole life. Uh, my best friend was moving to Hawaii. My parents, I was moving out of their house. I'd never done that before. Uh, all the bills were going to be mine. I was, everything was completely wild about this, but for some reason, God had home written all over it. Um, and when I was confident enough to say that I knew I, I, I left the interview and it wasn't that I was like confident that I nailed the interview. I was just confident that this is where God wanted me to be and, mm -hmm. and left and kind of told my parents, I said, look, I don't know when it's going to get offered, but I'm going to take it. And I was in Texas visiting some of my best friends and got the phone call and I freaked out. Stephen Elmore calls <laughs> me and he goes, Hey Mac, we just want to uh, let you know that we are, we want to give you the opportunity to take the job. And I was so nervous that I said, Hey, uh, um, uh, uh, my mentor told me that it's never smart to just say yes right away. So uh, I'm going to pray, uh, for the next two days. Is that okay? Uh, and I hadn't answered the first two phone calls he sent cause I was on a plane. So pastor Doug apparently was freaking out. He's like, did you get a hold of him? Did you, did you hear, did you hear from him? Did you hear from this guy? And, uh, he talks with his hands like that. Yeah, too. he does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah <laughs> but, uh, and so I hung up and they're like, my buddies are all in the next room. Like, so what happened? What happened? And I was like, um, I told them I need to pray about it. It's like, you told them what, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I just said, look, uh, Steven says something really calming that also made me know this was the place to go. He said, we would never want you to pass up something great for something that's good. And so if you need to pray about Whoa. this, then, then absolutely we're, we're 100% behind you. He said, we would never want you to pass up a great opportunity that God has in front of you uh, for something that's good because we know this is good. And so that was another kind of evidence. Wow. Uh, two days later, I called back and I said, yeah, let's do it. And I uh, got off the plane from... Um, got off the plane from Texas and started the job like three days later. So... That's I, fantastic. Yeah, I actually interviewed too. I didn't say this part. I interviewed for that job one day after graduating from UCF. So I graduated on a Saturday, had my party on Start a Saturday. Start work on a Monday. Sunday morning, I came and, and said hello. So. <laughs> wow. Crazy. It all Holy happened. Smokes. Like I said, that, those gumdrops just. I knew bits and pieces of that story, yeah. you know, that I've heard from Chris, but I yeah. now I got the whole Megillah. That's mm -hmm. great. I had a similar kind of moment, you know, after, you know, pastor and me and pastor and Susan and me and pastor and just about everybody else in the, you know, we sat down and had those meetings and then I just knew Yeah, that's where the look, I came home and I told her, I said, the, the Lord wants me there. It's going to happen. Yeah. And sure enough, it did. Yep. That's uh, that's amazing. Fantastic. It is amazing. Fantastic. <laughs> so, so Mac, just touch on kind of what you're, what you're doing now. What do, what's going on? Uh, we, we kind of talked about Reacts Week and stuff yeah. like that uh, mm -hmm. a little bit, but um, just some things you have in the works and yeah, and uh, you know plug the plug the group and absolutely, um, just kind of a cool just testimony of who, you know God's faithfulness right before summer. Uh, not to say that our youth group was hitting like a halt or anything, but we definitely had just some momentum was dropping and students were busy and students that would normally sign up for things weren't signing up for things. And I was so nervous going into the summer. I was so upset too. Um, I was very, very discouraged by a lot of things, not from like the students themselves, just from, you know, you start questioning your leadership, you start questioning your ability to do ministry and, and that's never a good, a good place to be. And, and, and people, and I'm going to touch on this too, if we have any time to eventually, um, the people think that like struggle amongst, not that I'm a pastor yet, but people think that struggle amongst ministry workers and pastors, uh, that it's just not as 
existent, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sure. it's so <laughs> it's so real and it's so uh-huh. much sometimes uh-huh. sometimes catalyzed by the fact that we will tell ourselves in the moment, which is such a lie and it's such such an such an enemy lie, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that if we don't have it figured out, then we're failing our people. Mm. And I've I've found and and I've really needed to lean into this in the last two years, especially since kind of taking on this job, is that I believe I become more credible when I tell the places in my in my life where I'm struggling. When I can look at my friends and say, "Hey, mm-hmm. I know that this might sound crazy, but this is what's going on," and yep. and they can tell me that, "Hey, you know, well, the best thing you could have done was say it out loud." Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And so, yeah. yeah, it's called posing. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um. And so, yeah, so I was, I was at this place and I just, every friend that would ask me, what can we be praying for? I said, just pray for momentum and energy in the youth group. And we went to two awesome camps over the summer. We went to passion camp first off and I just felt uh, an energy get restored within the students and, and worship was just so much more powerful afterwards. And the kids were just connecting so much more. And, and we had a message and afterwards we just kind of said, look, if passion camp is all that happens for you guys, then we fail. Like if the passion that you've gotten from this passion camp doesn't make its way back into Claremont, Florida, then we failed. And uh, and I think that the kids took that to heart and they walked in and, and we we started Reacts Week and preparation for Reacts Week, if you guys said anything before, just a service project where we adopted like a block of town, did a bunch of things. Um, but preparation was a nightmare, uh, absolute nightmare. I I questioned my ability to do ministry more than I ever have during that, during that span of, of putting it together. And a week and a half out, I had three parents text me and call me asking, uh, what exactly is it? And when I realized that three to four core people didn't understand the vision behind something that I was so passionate about, something that had such an influence in my life, sure. we, we did this same type of camp when I was a student. And it really, I'm, I'm sitting in these, this seat today. I'm sitting in the church that I'm at today because of Converge, which was my our Reacts week as a kid. And so when you have something that you're so passionate about and people don't understand it, and when you know God's fingerprints all over it, but people don't understand it, you start getting so discouraged. Um, and I, for the first time since being in this office, closed both the doors of my closet office. Um, I lit a candle and I put my I put a pillow on the ground. I don't usually pray on pray on my knees too much anymore, just because I have I had ACL surgery and it just kind of hurts if I sit there for too long. And I got on my knees for an hour, and um, and, and I've told everybody I said I didn't feel better afterwards. I didn't feel better after the prayer, but I felt able after the prayer. Um, and I walked out and that was the day, the same week I was supposed to be on God stories radio. Mm-hmm. And I went into Oviedo that Thursday night, uh, after working, um, and converge was going on the camp that I was, you know, built by in a sense. And I worshiped with them on Thursday night just cause I knew I needed a more surrender. Um, and once again, didn't feel better, but I felt able and we got enough kids. We, we went in to, to Reacts Week, and God blew my expectations out of the water. Um, did some of the most amazing things I've ever seen done at a camp ever, uh, <laughs> just through students and through leadership and through people. And that video, I um, got to tell you, that video is amazing. Did you get to see it, babe? I got to see the video, and I got to hear some of the testimonies from the first traditional service and then yeah. also at the contemporary service. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I was able to to hear the kids and they were moving, Yeah, you know, like they really touched my heart with the things that they were saying. And I don't think that there's anybody more passionate than a youth on fire for Mm, Christ. I would agree with that. Yeah. And it's because they're just not limited. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think that we, as we 
get older and it sounds stupid but as we enter in adulthood we we have put all these limits mm-hmm. on who yep. god is yep. because of what we've seen and they just when they see a limitless god it is so powerful and it, and it just reinforces it for me and that's you know people ask what's next after youth ministry i was like well, i want to be with youth ministry as long as i can mm-hmm. <laughs> i want to i want to do this as long as i can keep yeah. up with them because like i said they see god as limitless and and that's how you need to look at him but uh, that spurred this momentum, and I think even Ryan would maybe attest to it. He he was at a camp all summer uh, leading worship, and he came back and led worship for us on Sunday night this past week, or two weeks, yeah, this past week. And there's just an energy in the room that I can't describe. There's people that used to even be a part of cliques, I would say, because that was a big, massive problem. And it happens in all youth groups. Every youth group sure. has like, mm-hmm. cliques, and, and it's one thing that you have to find the balance between, you know, it's good to have a group of people to confide in, but it's also... It can be the very thing that keeps people out. And I preached over the over the break. I said, hey, um, do you know the only reason that the man had to be lowered into the house? You know, there's the story of the, the mm-hmm. four friends that bring the man to the roof and they mm-hmm. lower him through the house. I said, the only reason they even had to make that much of an effort is because the crowd kept them out. Mm-hmm. And if we realize that the crowd might have been there for the right reason, 100 mm-hmm. percent, the crowd was there to be attentive to who Jesus Christ was. But what they lacked in that moment was understanding that their presence and their inability to be aware of what's going on around them kept other people out. And mm. so I just told all wow. of our students, I said, look, clicks are the crowd. And if you, you might find yourself and you just might not be aware that you have a connection with people and that's beautiful. But if you don't open that circle up, you are going to be that crowd that desperately is holding people who need to be in front of Jesus back. Um, and so I think that they've taken that to heart because I was watching students that I would say were in those those spots, just pulling students aside and praying with them and pulling students aside and hugging them and loving on them as we were worshiping. And, and I'm just really, really excited for the momentum. Like I said, all I asked for for prayer was momentum, 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 momentum. And I feel like we're in a spot where we can do that. And, and luckily that's cool too, because we got a lot of cool opportunities coming up soon. We have... Um, like our uh, um, kickoff event, our back to school celebration is going to be August 25th. Uh, we're going to be doing that in the West Loop. We'll have bounce houses on all fun stuff for any middle school and high school students. Uh, we give away a big prize to any first timers or people who bring first timers. Um, we usually have been giving away t- like a TV the last couple uh, of times, but I found that the, this prize we're going to do is a little bit cooler. Um, I'll leave that up in the air. But we have a, another prize that, in my opinion, is cooler than a flat screen TV for for whoever brings a first time guest and uh-huh. whatnot. But um, and then we're also planning, and I just had a planning session today with my old buddies back at Carillon. We're doing a, a a mega fall retreat where four churches are combining together. Oh, nice. Um, we're going to bring them all together in the epicenter in in Oviedo, Florida. Um, and I'm that's hoping to be- see a lot more of that absolutely going on you know yeah pastor chris and i had a conversation about that yeah we'll talk about it but uh, absolutely about meshing there's just something yeah i think there's something that is powerful about witnessing in church because i think that yeah. one thing i left the church with uh and it wasn't my home church's fault but i just thought there was one way of worship and i thought there was one way to connect and anything beyond what i knew was wrong in my head and to, to have leadership that shows you that you can worship in many facets in many, many ways, um, I think that's so powerful and so, so needed. So, uh, yeah, so we're going to do that October 18th through the 20th. And then uh, we've got a bunch of theme nights planned, too, that uh, I'm excited for. We're doing uh, – they're just kind of – they just kind of sound good together. But we're doing um, uh, pajamas and pancakes night. 
<laughs> uh, we're doing crazy hair and cupcakes because it's National Cupcake Day on one of these Sundays. Whoa. Um, yeah. And then uh, we're doing board games, Bunko, and brownies. Um, so if you ever played Bunko, uh, I used to think it's a game just for moms. Um, <laughs> not. It's, it's actually really fun. So, but yeah, it is. I've heard that it is fun. So that that's some of the fun stuff that we got we got coming up, and I'm excited for too. And just riding that that continuous wave of momentum that God has been supplying like crazy. So, there you go, Mikey. Riding the riding wave. The wave. Uh-huh. Oh man, do I have a ride in the wave analogy? I got to tell you by the end of this. I'll tell you in a little bit. But <laughs> <laughs> go for it. Oh, okay. Well, I just got back from California, right? Just like uh, on uh sunday saturday sunday morning really early but i was there for my buddy's wedding and, and we went surf we went to surf lessons for the the uh, bachelor party and i had surfed a couple times but never been taught how to surf and california waves are different than florida waves yes, they are. oh yeah uh, uh the water's freezing so you gotta wear a, wa- a wetsuit and everything mm-hmm. and everybody that we're surfing with they say what's the hardest part and they say it's standing up and i looked at them and i said dude no it's not right because what I realized is I was reflecting upon my time of surfing. I was, I was just having a devotional on this beautiful cliff in Dana Point, California. And I was thinking, I said, no, standing up's not the hard part. It's getting in the position to be able to stand up, right? Ooh. And what I realized is that it, surfing is such a perfect analogy of discipline in, in, in life. And that is that God is going to continuously supply waves. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> His love is not going to be, it's, it's unending. His mercy, it's unending. His grace, it's unending. If you're in a position to receive it, though, is on you. Mm. And the reason what I realized is I said it takes 45 minutes to paddle past the waves so that you can finally sit down on your board and get in a position to be able to properly catch one. Because a wave, I can be in the right spot for a wave, but my board can be off center and I'm never going to be able to stand up. Mm-hmm. I can be uh, in the right position straight on with the wave and be ready to ride. But if I'm in front of it or behind it, I'm not going to be able to ride it. Right. And so what I said is I realized when I rode the wave, I could have if I was in the right position, it was simple to stand up. The board was steady. I didn't have to worry about my footing. I didn't have to worry about it. But if you were unstable in your positioning, then you were going to be unstable in your ability to stand up. And, and what I realize is discipline is that paddling. Discipline is the, is the you know, pushing yourself out there. And it takes 45 minutes maybe yeah. of paddling and 45 minutes of positioning to ride that wave. You're almost exhausted essential. once you get yeah. out there and that's... Yeah, <laughs> and, and standing up is the fun shape. part, right? Standing yeah. up and riding is the fun part. This is not the fun part. The swimming <laughs> is not the fun part. But you don't stand up if you don't swim. And you don't get in, you, you don't stand up if you don't get in position and you don't stand up if you're not constantly persistent about trying to get into that place. Um, and so it was just evidence as I was getting back, uh, that was God really placed on my heart to also share with our students and share with just everybody that I've come in contact with that. I think discipline, um, though it's not as glorified in today's culture, is so essential within the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not easy to wake up every morning and say, Hey, I'm going to get in the word. You know, people, I think it's so funny. I had a student the other day and they're like, I just wish that, that I had your excitement about, about getting into God's word. Like you probably just wake up and it's easy. I was like, dude, <laughs> if you think that I wake up every morning, I'm like, huh, I cannot wait to find the glories of the God today. You know what I mean? If, if you think that that's what happens, if you think that that's like my immediate attitude, like you're crazy, right? No, you have to, you have to, it's discipline and it's, it's getting yourself in that mindset to say, God, I want to fall in love with you today again. Yep. Um, so. And you always have that voice on the left shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
talk, no, exactly. talk, trying to talk you out of it. Exactly, exactly. So, man, that's awesome. Yeah. I know. I just, I'm thinking back to a message that you preached probably about a month ago, and it had me in tears. I mean, it so touched me, and it was exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. And it's, it's rare that I get moments like that now in my life, but it was God using you in that moment, you know, and it was speaking to me and directly to my heart, and it was just... Um, so what I needed to hear. So I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing because <laughs> people like me need to hear, you know, and so many other people out there need to hear. Um, and, you know, he's definitely given you a gift. Absolutely. And everybody that listened I can tell. tonight needed to hear and everybody that's going to listen to this podcast mm -hmm. needs to hear. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of which, I want to welcome everybody that's listening on Mixler tonight. Uh, and if you would uh, follow us on Mixler, I can actually see who you are. But uh, I see you there, and uh, welcome to the show. It's a good one. It's it been really a good has one. Been, yeah. Wow! It so has. I hope you've been been with us the whole time. I could sit and talk all night to Mac. I know <laughs> we He's got plenty easy of coffee to too. To. Yes, he is. <laughs> We're not burning any he, tape. He does have a gift. You can tell. Yeah. Amen to that. I don't, go, really to, I don't go to that church, but you can tell. Mm -hmm. He really, he really does. And I get to witness a lot of what he does behind the scenes. And, uh, uh I'm just, it's amazing what God's doing over mm -hmm. there that reacts week. And, and, uh, some of the stuff that I witnessed just blew me away. And, uh, it gave me a lot of encouragement to continue on with, with what we do. Mm -hmm. So praise the Lord. I did want to touch, if you don't mind, I know I'm long-winded tonight, which is weird. Yeah, go for it. On the last one. Uh, I did want to touch on, you know, you had asked like the kickback that you got from if you, if when you're, you know, your family and just people when you were deciding to go into ministry. Um, and I didn't know how concerned my parents were until recently. My mm -hmm. mom just got honest with me one day because um, I had a different friend who decided they wanted to go into ministry after they were graduating. Um, and their parents were totally confused and um, totally confused. Just like, what, this is out of the blue. This is, you know, and I had, like I said earlier, just always thought like they my parents were supportive. They might've been confused, but they were supportive. And my dad, apparently for years after I had told him that I wanted to go into ministry, he never said it to me. Cause he, you know, he, he just had a respect for me. And, and, and he was, he's just a, I have amazing parents. Um, but my dad just kept telling my mom every time, that he would think about it or that they would have alone time to talk. He would say, Anthony can do anything he wants. He said, he has the opportunity. He has the ability. He has the, you know, he has the knowledge. He's gifted with the things that I wasn't gifted with that you weren't gifted with. Uh, he's in a university. Like he has the ability to do anything. Like, why is, why is this what he's doing? And, uh, and he would constantly ask that. Mm. And, I tell this story for multiple reasons. I tell this story because you're going to have, there's so many people that if you're listening right now, you might even just have a situation where people just don't understand and they just don't get it. Mm -hmm. And I want to encourage you that over time, if you continue to be as true as you can possibly be to what God is calling you to, that that provision will be provided to mm -hmm. other people and that they will understand it because my dad came and heard me speak twice. Um, and he comes every, every single sermon now, but my first two times speaking, uh, the first time he was just kind of moved to tears. And I remember crying like on stage in my back of my head because I was like, oh, my gosh, my dad's 
crying and my dad like doesn't cry right <laughs> um but after the second time that i spoke he he took my mom aside and he said you know i've always wanted anthony to do something because he had the ability um and he said i realized today that he's doing exactly what he was um uh what was the exact wordage um he said he said he's not just doing something that he's able to do he's doing what he's supposed to be doing um it's it's a good thing he didn't say those things he was thinking before because that could have taken you right out of the game yeah um and he exactly you know what i mean and and he had that care and and not everybody does right not everybody's that Mm -hmm. careful with their words a lot of people don't you know they don't hold it in um and and i just remember that well the the bible says you can speak death or you can speak speak life yeah and that would have been death yeah oh yeah 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 He's, he, he has the ability to do anything, but he's not just doing what he's able to do. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Um, and that's huge for my, mm. for my dad. And that like, when my mom told me that, I was like, how did you not tell me this way earlier? Really? That's like the coolest story really? ever. Uh, and I was so pumped when, when, uh, when she told me that. And, and that was an encouragement that I got to use to another friend that just, you know, is stepping into ministry now too. And I was like, yo, if the, your parents don't understand, they will, uh, mm-hmm. because they'll see it in you. And, you know, there's even moments today where I hear from, um, people that are close to me, my little, my little sister is a big testament to that too. And, and she was, you know, very doubtful about the faith for a while because she was like, I don't have what you have. I don't have that relationship yet. And and I think over time she started taking it on herself because she started questioning more. And, and I think the same thing happens with my parents and, and with everybody. So encouragement, just to anybody who's out there, who's like, people don't get it. And it's causing me to not understand fully too. Um, they will. I promise. And so. if you're a young person, don't let age be a deterrent because, you know, one thing God has shown me in my life is it doesn't really matter what age the person is. You have something to learn from everybody. Mm-hmm. That person could be four or five years old and they could school you in a day. <laughs> um, I've but, seen it done. Yeah. It, and, you know, so don't let age be a deterrent. There are people who recognize the fact that you have something of value to offer and most importantly god knows you have something of value to offer absolutely in the words of the prophet the fresh prince parents just don't understand (laughs) (laughs) french prince is pretty old now dear oh i know that song is really old but man was it funny god parents just don't understand Love it. Mac, thanks for coming out, man. Yeah, thank, thank you guys you. for having me. Seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ryan, thank you for coming out, brother. Can't wait to hear you. Yeah. Hear you jam soon. That's awesome. Want to thank everybody again on Mixler. Thanks for tuning in. And just so you know, you can chat with us on Mixler. There is a chat function there. And But I just thank you for tuning in. It's been a great show. Thank you. Thank you. And you can find out more about us at GodStoriesRadio.com. And whatever you do, Give us a like on Facebook. Yes, please. Whatever you do. Uh, we're also, uh, what else can they do, Mike? They can, they can twit us. They can twit us on Twitter. How about that? We have a Twitter. We have an Instagram. I don't know how to use it, but we have one. I don't have an Instagram, no. Huh? Facebook and Twitter is all I do. <laughs> Instagram we need a thing. Yeah, I know it, man. <laughs> we need a social media expert. I tried to hire my daughter, but she wouldn't do it. <laughs> Bribe or pay. <laughs> part of it don't you understand anyway anyway yeah so that about wraps it up for session 214 
fantastic. Thanks again, Mac, Ryan, for coming. And uh, looking forward to seeing what God has in store, man. Just can't wait. Appreciate it. More and more exciting. So, uh, all right. You get a next door office. Yeah. It's a great setup, man. As far as I'm concerned, I, I love living camp style, man. I just, I, I thrive in a team environment. So yeah. it's very encouraging to me to hear Chris holler at me from over in his office. Hey, I need to talk to you. You know, it's just the kind of spirit that I, I really enjoy. Yeah. It's probably some people in the office don't enjoy our spirit well at, some people will times. call that are like two two rooms away and they'll call my phone and i'll see their name and i'll just stand up and go to their room because <laughs> i'm like i'm like yes <laughs> so all right well thanks for being with us and that about wraps it up for session 214 i'm fritz i'm mike and i'm tina god bless you god bless god bless